so let's go straight up into our discussion. Yesterday, we uh, concluded on uh, this part of it. We solved a question where payments are made in uh, advance, and we saw how the treatment is supposed to be done and how the financial statements are going to be treated. So I want to go straight up into the second question that we want to look at when payments are made in arrears. So when payments are made in arrears or at the end of the year, how do we go about it and how do we represent that in the financial statement? That is what we want to look at today and start with today. So let's go. Question two. So you can actually take a screenshot uh, of the question so you can follow up with me. It's on the screen. I'm going to be going through with you, but you can uh, follow up with me as well on the screen as we continue with the discussion. So let's go. Question two, lease payment in arrears. Just a quick recap. You remember that uh, we said when it comes to the lease payment at the end of the year, uh, we're going to be uh, still preparing the schedule for two periods, usually because we want to split it, we want to split the current amount of the lease between current and non-current components in that case. So you're going to see how that is going to actually play out and be presented in the financial statements for the company. So Michelle Limited prepares financial statement for the year ended 31st October each year. On 1st November 2018, Michelle Limited leased a property on a 10-year lease payment with Dorish property. The annual lease payment were $2.5 million payable in advance. The first payment being made, okay, no, this should be payable in arrears. That's an error there. As we were just looking at the same question, contextualized. Uh, in advance, sorry, in arrears, the first payment being made on 31st October 2019. So if you check the dates carefully, you realize that this time around, payments are made at the end of the year for the company because the year ended is 31st October. And that is exactly when the entity is going to be making its initial payment or its first payment. Then we are told that Michelle Limited incurred an initial direct cost of $0.5 million in arranging this lease and receive an incentive of $0.25 million. Annual rate of interest is 10%. But be careful here. We are told that the present value of $1 payable at the end of years 1 to 10 is 6.145. 6.145 Ghana City. So you realize that now in, in the question we solved yesterday, the first question, you realize that we were not given the annuity factor, so we had to calculate it ourselves because the, it wasn't given in the question. But in this second question, the annuity factor has been given to us as 6.145. So this annuity factor which has been given to us is what we are going to be using in that case. But even if you use the formula and do the calculation or do the computation, you realize that you will get 6 uh one four five but we, we are not going to be going through that today because it is given to us directly in the question and we're just going to look at that and go away so let's go to our slide real quick so question two we are still in the books of michelle limited 
Now, so what's going to happen here is that we are going to be looking at the initial recognition. Now, when we look at the initial recognition here, we need to look at the lease liability. Now, unlike in advance, in the question we solved yesterday, where the payments are made in advance, hence we were looking at nine years to calculate the annuity factor. In this question, because the payments are made in arrears, the lease outstanding is still going to be 10 years. Okay, the, still, the lease outstanding is still going to be 10 years. So assuming we're calculating our annuity uh, factor, okay, that is uh, the one minus one plus R exponent negative N over R. Assuming we're doing the calculation, in this case, we won't do it though, but the N will still be 10 here. Why? Because payments are made at the end of the year. Unlike yesterday where we used nine, this time around we will be using 10 to calculate the annuity factor. So to get a lease liability, we are saying that that is going to be the annual lease payment. Multiply by the annuity factor. Annual lease payment multiplied by the annuity factor. So in the question, our annual lease payment is still 2000 2,500,000. We bring in our annual lease factor to be 6.145. Remember, that will be the annuity factor still if we we're looking at calculating the annuity factor ourselves. We would have uh, come to that particular figure as well. So we multiply up. Let me grab my Casio calculator real quick. So 2,500,000 times 6.145, boom. We're getting 15 million. Fifteen million three hundred and sixty-two thousand five hundred. Fifteen million three hundred and sixty-two thousand five hundred. So this is the lease liability. So the double entry for this lease liability, like I said, you are not supposed to do this in the exam or like showing the double entry like that. It's good to debit the right of use assets and then you credit lease liability. That is the double entry. So our lease liability is going to be 15,362,500. Then we recognize the right of use assets. Remember, I told you that we need to number, so that is workings one. And this is workings two. So right of use assets. The reason why we are numbering is for professional presentation. We don't want to screw it up for ourselves. So we bring in the lease liability. And that's going to be coming from workings one. And that's fifteen million three hundred and sixty-two thousand five hundred. Then we go back to the question to pick 
the rest of the items that we have in the question. We are told that there is an initial cost of 0.5 million. So we bring it in. Initial direct cost. Five hundred thousand. Then there was an incentive we got two hundred and fifty thousand, so that is going to be less. So we take it out and that becomes the initial cost of the right of use. So let's add it up plus 500,000 minus 250, So I'm getting 15 million, 612,500. 15,612,500. So that is going to be our initial recognition. Remember in this question, we did not calculate any annuity factor. Unlike the first question we solved, why didn't we do any calculation? Because the factor was already given to us in the question as 6.145. So if it is given directly in the question, which would usually be the case, you just take it there and then you get your answer in that case. Then we go to subsequent measurements. So on subsequent measurements, you know already that we will depreciate the assets. So working straight right of use asset so we bring in the initial cost coming from workings to and that was 15 million 120 sorry 612 500 is that what we had yeah then we bring the depreciation for the year ended 31st October 2019. Remember in the question, I didn't even go through the requirements. We are preparing for, because it's the same thing as yesterday, 31st October 2019 and then for 2020. So 31st October 2019, 31st October 2020. So for 31st October 2019, Remember, this is on a straight line method. So 15, 6, 12, 500 divided by 10 years. Why? Because in this question, the lease term is 10 years. We are not giving the economic useful life of the asset. Assuming the economic useful life of the asset is given, then we will choose the earlier of the two as the number of years to be used to depreciate the asset for the entity in that case. So if we check that up divided by 10, I'm 
getting 15 mil, 1 million, 500 and, Sixty-one thousand two fifty. So you take it out, so that we get a carrying amount. As at thirty-first October, twenty nineteen. Okay. So minus fifteen six one two five hundred. I'm getting fourteen million. And fifty one thousand two fifty. So you can confirm that as well. Then we come to the depreciation for the year and the thirty first October twenty twenty. And since it's on a straight line method, it means the same amount of depreciation is going to apply here. So we're going to have one five six one two fifty. We take it out, then we get a carrying amount as of 31st October 2020. And that is going to be 12 million four hundred and ninety thousand dollars. $12,490,000. You can cross-check that and see if that is the answer we are actually having in that case. To see whether that is the answer we are actually having in that case. So that is the third workings dealing with the right of use of assets. The right of use of assets. Remember, the depreciation will go to the P&L account. The depreciation will go to the PL account. Then the carrying amount to go to the statement of financial position. Okay, and we're going to be doing that. Remember, this is not what the examiner said we should do. The examiner didn't ask you to do this. The examiner said, How will this be presented in the financial statement? How will this be presented in the financial statement? That is what the examiner is asking us to do. So, Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. So we go to workings four. That will be the lease liability being carried at amortized cost. So the lease obligation, we preparing the amortized cost schedule. So we bring the year ended up let's rule our line bring the balance brought forward let's make that a bit bigger we bring our now remember here payments are made at the end of the year right hence uh we will charge interest first and then we will get the lease payment
then we will get the balance brought down. So there we go with this one. There we go with this one. So let's put it up. Let's bring in our currency signs. So we're going to be doing for probably three years. Because we are doing for 2020 and 2021, sorry, 2019 and 2020. I'm going to explain that in a moment. So 2019, the balance brought forward of the lease liability from the initial recognition is this, 15 million. 362,500. 15,362,500. Remember the interest rate implicit in the lease is 10%. Our annual lease payment is 2,500,000. So 10% of this that's going to be 15 36250. So you add the interest to the opening balance and then subtract the lease liability, and that gives us the closing balance. So 15, 6, sorry, 36250 plus 15 36250 minus 2,500,123. So I'm getting 14,000,000. 398,750. 14,398,750. Now, remember I told you that if we are making payments in advance in arrears, that is at the end of the year, we will do the workings for two periods. So that the second period will become the non-current liability and the difference between the first and the second becomes the current liability. You remember that? You remember that? Mm -hmm. So we'll do 2020. So when we come to 2020, this closing balance becomes an opening balance here, 14 million, 398,750. Remember our lease payment is still 2,500,000. Let's get 10% of that. And that's going to be one four three nine eight seven five. So uh, we get the arithmetic coming up one four three nine eight seven five zero minus two million five hundred one two three. And I'm getting thirteen million three hundred and thirty eight thousand six hundred and twenty five. And you can confirm that as well. So assuming we are preparing the financial statement uh, from the uh, for the year ended 2019, this 2020 figure would have become the non-current liability. Then the balancing figure between the 2019 and 2020 will become the uh, current liability. And I'm going to do deal with that. But in the question, the examiner said we should do for 2019 and then 2020. For that reason, we will add another year to it 
2021. Okay, so we are supposed to do for 2019 and 2020. But because payments are made at the end of the year, we are going to be adding another year to it. So let's bring the opening balance, 13 million. 338,625. Let's get 10% of that. That's 13386.2.5. Uh, we can work to the nearest. So 62.3. Let me write that again. 133. 3863. Like this. Still, so we are paying 2,500,000. Coming up. Then we add that up. So 1333 plus 1333863 minus 2,500,123. I'm getting 12 million. 172, 172, 488, 12,172,488. So remember, these, this interest, this interest goes to the PL account. Okay? We'll go to the profit or loss account. Remember, the lease payment never goes to the profit or loss account. The lease payment never goes in the profit or loss account. Then, like I said, we are going to be extracting the financial statement. So all these are the workings we do to arrive at our answers in that case. So that is the amortized cost schedule. Now, let's extract the financial statement and find out exactly what is going on here. So we go, we bring the name of our company up. So Michelle Limited. So we're going to have statement of profit or loss. Remember, this is an extract for the year ended thirty first October twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. We're going to present that in a columnar form. So we'll have twenty nineteen here. Have 2020 coming in here. Slashing our dollar sign. We're going to have depreciation coming in. I guess that is from working straight. So let's go to working straight to pick up the depreciation on the right of use. And that is going to be uh, the issue in relation to. 1,561,250. 1,561,250. And that's on a straight line method. So the same thing will come here as we computed here. 
Then we come to the finance cost that is going to be in workings for. So that's in workings for. And we're going to have 1,536,250. Then for 2020, it's going to be 1,439,875. One million four hundred and thirty nine eight seven five. So this is our uh, income statement. Now remember, it's an extract. These are all expenses. So we could actually leave it like this and not do anything to it. Uh, there is no need for you to add it up, or better still, we could put it in brackets. Okay, we could put it in brackets. Remember, this is an extract. So we could as well just leave it like that. Nothing will happen to it. It's an extract. These are all expenses. Or we could put them in brackets. That is also allowable. Then let's look at the statement of financial position, which is where the real deal is for our uh, work. So statement of financial position. So when it comes to dealing with the statement of financial position, what do we do? How do we go about it? Again, we're going to be presenting that in a columnar form. Maybe let me put it down well. Statement of financial position. This is an extract. Again, as at 31st October 2019 and then 2020. So we present again in a columnar form, 2019-2020. We slash in our currency sign. So in the statement of financial position, among other things, we're going to be having non-current assets. Under that, we will have the right of use asset. And that is going to be coming from working three, the carrying amount. So we go to working three. Yeah. This is working three. Carrying amount for 2019, we can see that it is 14 million and 51,250. 14 million and 51,250. Then for 2020, we're going to have 12 million 490,000. 12 million 490,000. So that is the non current asset. Again, this is not a big deal. This is not a huge area that we are going to be really worried about now let's go to the liabilities and that is where it will be very interesting so liability 
And uh, when it comes to liability, we will have non-current liability. Under that, we will have lease obligation from workings for. Don't worry, I'm going to be dealing with that. Then we will have current liability. And again, there we will have lease obligation. And that's going to take the balancing figure. And I'm going to explain that to you in a moment. So if you check for 2019, we're going to be bringing the total figure here. The total figures up. Stay with me carefully here so you get this. So in the workings for 2019, the carrying amount is this figure. 14,398,750. 14,398,750. That's the total. Now, we're going to be splitting that between the current and the non-current. When it comes to payment in arrears, payment at the end of the year, what we do is that the second period this one becomes oh, the next period okay becomes the non-current liability so that is thirteen thousand three hundred and thirty eight six two five that becomes the non-current so that the balancing figure becomes the current liability does it make sense? The balancing figure. So let's see what we get. 14,398,750 minus 13,338,625. So I get 1,601,125. That is the split. That is the split. Uh, in that case, and if you miss this particular split, that's where it becomes uh, difficult. Look at it again for 2020. In 2020, our liability is 13. So we bring it up. 13, 338, 625. That's our liability total. So we split that into current and non-current. How do we do the split? Simple. The next period, 2021 figure, becomes the non-current liability. That is 12,172,488. 12,172,488 becomes the non-current liability. Then the balancing figure is the current liability so let's see what we got 13338625 minus 12172488 and that's going to give me 1,166,000 1,166,000 1,166,000 1,166,000 1,166,000 1,166,000 1,166,000 
137. So this is how we present the financial statement for the lease arrangement when payments are made at the end of the year or in arrears. When payments are made at the end of the year or in arrears. Any questions, please? Any questions? Remember, I told you that when it comes to dealing with leases, three things will be happening. Either we are making the payment in advance, whether we are making the payment in arrears, or whether we are making the payment half yearly. So we want to find out how exactly we go through that in that case. Now, this half yearly lease treatment is actually an extract from the ICA uh, single entity question, I think November 2020, uh, the single entity question footnote three. Uh, so I picked this uh, transaction from the footnote. So it is not a question that was standing on its own. It is part of the footnote and I picked it up to illustrate the idea because it is just on its own and it can help us to illustrate the idea for the treatment. So let's look at it. On 1st January 2019, Marco Limited, Marco Limited entered into a lease agreement for several to lease several machines the lease was for a four-year period a four-year period which was estimated which was estimated with an estimate useful life of the machine which was the estimated useful economic life of the machine how am i messing that up which was the estimated useful economic life of the machine yeah marco limited is required to repair and ensure the plants and ensure the plants. I think it should be ensure, not ensure, and ensure the plant, which has no residual value at the end of the lease. The lease rentals were at 10 million every six months. Be careful here. 10 million every six months, payable in advance payable in advance what it means is that on that january we're going to be uh making the payment that is going to be covering uh the period for that and then we're going to be presenting it uh in that case then we see lease rentals figure is 20 million in respect of the lease the rates Implicit in the lease is 5% per six monthly period, and the present value of the minimum lease payment is 60 million. As at 1st January 2019. As at 1st January 2019. So let's see what exactly is going on here with this particular question. Now, remember, we are you, you have to be careful about the interest rate. In this case, the examiner said 5% per six monthly period. Assuming it was just, it had just stated as 5%, that would have been taken as 5% per annum, in which case we would have divided it into two and would have uh, arrived at the interest rate for every six months. Now, the idea here is very simple. The year ended of the company 
It's given to us to be 31st uh, December. Like I said, this was an extract from the question for what's 31st December 2019. So how do we present this in that case? Uh, we go straight up and then look at how we will present this in the financial statement for the entity. My focus here will be on the lease liability, the subsequent measurement. So let's look at the lease obligation. So we're going to put our schedule up. So we're going to bring a period ended. We're going to be bringing in the bal opening balance. We're going to be bringing in uh, any lease payments. Because they are made in advance, we have to make the payments before charging any interest. We get a capital balance coming in or the outstanding balance if you want to. We get an interest. I don't think I did my pagination well. Let me do that again because I don't want to squeeze things up. So lease payment. That's not going to be too big. Uh, capital balance or the outstanding balance. We're going to have the interest coming in. Then we have the closing balance. So uh, we like to tell the examiner that, yeah, even though we see the figures 20 million, da, 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 we like to tell the examiner that, hey, we like to work in uh, three zeros up in that case. Now, stay with me carefully here. You will know that the interest rate implicit is 5%. We're going to be bringing that up. So now six monthly six monthly that is very very critical so if it is six monthly i mean how do we present that how do we go about it so the lease started on first january so from first january 2019 six months is on where 30th june 2019 so we'll prepare the schedule for each six months in that case Now, I want you to stay with me carefully here. So 30th June, 2019. 30th June, 2019. Now, what is our opening balance? We are told that the lease, present value of the minimum lease payment at 1st January is 60 million. So that's going to be 60,000. We bring it up. Now, for the period ended to 30th June, we have made our uh, initial payments coming in already. 
we made initial payments of uh, the lease payment is 20 million and we are told that the lease liability assets 30th june is going to be uh 60 million so that is going to be coming up there that is what we've brought now for the period for 30th june we're not going to be making any payments in that hence the capital balance is still going to be 60,000. then we apply the five percent on, on that and that is going to be 3000 so the current amount is going to be 63000 then we come to 30 31st December 2019 we bring that 63000 up now for the 31st December we're going to be making the payments for the next period so that is going to be 10000 we deduct it, and that gives us the 53000 So we calculate our 5% interest on the 53000 That's going to be 2650 So 2650 plus 53000 That's going to be 55650 55, 650, 55, 650. Then it come to 30th June, 2020. So we will do for another period like that, just to be able to help us to split between current and non-current in that case. So 55, 650, we less the 10,000 coming in. We get 45650. You apply 5% on that. We get 2283 approximately. So 2283 plus 45650. And that's going to be 47933. Now, when it comes to dealing with issues about uh, payment in the middle of the year, normally issues come up with how we split the amounts between current and non-current. Now, so you realize that when it comes to this place, the interest expense or finance cost is going to be the two six months figures. The 3,000 here, the 2,650 here. And that's going to be 5650 That's going to be the interest expense. Now, when it comes to arriving at the lease liability, 
current and non-current. Because this is an extra, that's why I'm presenting like this uh, in that case. What is going to be happening here is that we are going to say that this ending figure, 55650, is what we are going to be splitting between current and non-current. So what we will do here is that the least liability, which is the 55650, must be splitted into current and non-current. So how do we get a current component? How do we get a non-current component? So the way we get a current component is to simply ask ourselves this. Now, if you look at it, for the next uh, period under consideration, that is in the year 2020, we're going to be making payments for as of June 2020. Oh, shit. As of June 2020. And then as of 31st December, I didn't do that because we don't really need that. Also 2020. So we're going to be paying 20000 on that. Now that finance cost there is 2283. So what is going to be happening here is that the current component is going to be the lease payment for the next one year minus that immediate six months finance cost, which is 2283. So our current component becomes 20,000 minus 2283. And that's 17,000. 717. So that our balancing figure, remember our lease liability as of 31st December is 55. 650. So the balancing figure from that becomes the non-current component. That's 37933. 37933. So that is how we deal with the current and the non-current. Now, let me let me also say this. There is another school of thought. That also states uh, the split to be that uh, you calculate for all the interest payable in the remaining period of the lease, and then you deduct it from the current amount. So all the lease, uh, all the interest outstanding for the remaining period will become the current component. Then the balancing figure of that become the non-current component. But we're going to be just staying with this one. So the next period, the next two six months lease payment minus the next six months interest expenses is the current liability. Then the balancing figure is the non-current liability in that case. So that is the idea about that. So... Like I said, this is an extract coming in uh, for the period under consideration. For the period under consideration.
Okay. So let's see. Okay, so let's touch on the concept of sale and lease back. So let me explain the concept real quick. Sale and lease back. Hey, I'm not sharing my screen. Now, the concept about sale and lease back, uh, it's simply about the fact that, you know, companies want to raise money to be profitable as an organization. I mean, they want to raise money and be profitable. But there are times when they cannot raise money from anywhere. Instead, they would have to sell their assets. But then they also need the assets for the day-to-day -day running of the organization. So how do we go about it? And how do we actually put these pieces together? I mean, how do we go about it? And how do we put the pieces actually together? The way we go about this whole thing in the context of looking at sale or lease back is that the entity has the assets. So we can have our entity A here and we have an entity B here. So we can say that the entity A is the one who possesses the asset, who is the owner of the asset. They need money. So they will sell the assets to entity B. We'll call them buyers or finance providers. Now, follow me carefully here. This is where the relationship between um, IFRS 15 and IFRS 16 comes to town. So follow me. Let me explain the concept real quick here. Now, so... The owner of the asset is there. They need money, so they try to sell the asset. But they will arrange with the buyer that, hey, even though we are selling this asset to you, we want to lease it back. We want to lease it back in that case. However, what happens is that if performance obligation is not satisfied, as per IFRS 15, then the transaction is not a sale, but instead a financial arrangement. Let me take that again. What do I mean by that? In other words, if there is no transfer of ownership from the seller to the buyer, that means the thing is actually not a sale, but it's a financial arrangement and the asset is used as a collateral facility. However, if the performance obligation is satisfied as per, as per IFRS 15, revenue from contract with customers, and then there is that, that means there is a transfer of risk and reward on the assets, then in that case, it is a sale. Then in that case, it is a sale. So the question we then ask ourselves is, how do we go about all of these and how do we account for it? If it is a financial arrangement, meaning it is not a sale, so what will happen is that the entity will just recognize a financial liability, that is the owner of the assets, will recognize a financial liability as per IFRS 15 and continue to depreciate its assets in its own books. 
then the, uh, the purposed buyer or the lessor will also recognize a financial asset as per IFRS 9. Sorry. So this guy will recognize financial liability. This guy will recognize a financial asset as per IFRS 9. Why? Because there has not been transfer of risks and rewards. But where the performance obligation is satisfied, then it is a sale. In that case, the owner of the asset has to de-recognize the assets and the buyer of the asset, who is now the lessor, would have to recognize the assets. Then now the buyer, but then even though they have sell the assets, they leased back a portion of the assets. So it is not the entire asset that has been sold. It's not the entire asset that has been sold. So the principle that I applied here is, and this is actually a slide from open tuition uh, or open tuition uh, in that case that I want to just share with you on my screen. So if the transfer is not a sale, the following rules uh, apply. Let's see. Let me bring it up into my workflow here. Yeah, that's better so that I can annotate on it. So if it is not a sale, meaning it is a financial arrangement, for that reason, the seller continues to recognize his assets. The buyer does not recognize any asset. Why? Because it is not a sale. Then the seller recognizes a financial liability, like I mentioned, as per IFRS 9, and then the buyer, because it's a financial arrangement, you, I'm giving you the money, I recognize a financial asset. This is if it is not a sale, but instead it is a financial arrangement. It is not a sale, but a financial arrangement. But if it is a sale, meaning that, hey, we actually sold the asset, but then we leased it back. We actually sold the asset, but then we leased it back. So if we sold the assets, that means we de-recognize the assets. Then we recognize the sale at the fair value because we've sold it, we've received the money, boom. The buyer who becomes the lessor will recognize the purchases of the assets. Why? Because there has been transfer of risks and rewards. Then we recognize present value of the minimum lease payment using lessee accounting as per IFRS 16. Then recognize rights of use as a proportion of the previously carrying value of the asset. Now, this is very critical. This workings here is a bit technical. And uh, like I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on IFRS 16, uh, so I will not solve any question with you for now on the sale and lease, but maybe later on if we are doing our revision and we are looking at questions, then I could touch on this uh, for you. But that's, that's recognizing the right of use as a proportion of the previous carrying value of the underlying assets is critical and it's quite technical. And I'm going to be illustrating that to you. Then any gain or loss on the rights transferred to the buyer is recognized. Why do I say that? Because yes, you sold the assets, 
However, you've also leased back the asset, which means there is a portion of the asset that you have retained. So that portion of the asset that you have retained is what you recognize as right of use. Then the portion of the asset that you have actually transferred, the current amount of that and then the fair value of that is what gives you the gain or loss, which is recognized in the PL account. Then the lessor who, who is the buyer applies lessor accounting and account for the transaction as per IFRS 15 and IFRS 16 in that case. So that is the concept of sale and leaseback.